Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about how to end sibling fighting. Dun, 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 dun. (laughs) Maybe that's too lofty of a goal. How about how to limit sibling fighting? How to survive sibling fighting? How to make sibling fighting not happen as often in your home? I think that's a better realistic goal because I'm all about being real. And I think we cannot eliminate sibling fighting because that's part of having kids is they're going to have a love-hate relationship at times. But there are do's and don'ts for what we can do to help foster our children's relationships and how to minimize the fighting. And that's what I'm going to get into today. So before we begin, don't forget to hit subscribe. If you're not subscribed yet to this podcast, I talk all about how to parent kids with anxiety or OCD or typical parenting things, but I always sprinkle in the theme of anxiety and OCD because a lot of the typical parenting approaches just don't completely resonate when you're raising a child who has anxiety or OCD. So also I am really big on the Instagram lately. I have joined the rest of the teenage population (laughs) and I am now officially fledged uh, an IG follower. So follow me at anxious toddlers. Uh, It's not about toddlers, but that's a long story. I don't want to get into, but that's my handle. And I am doing IGTV videos every Wednesday. So you really, if you wanted to, could see a lot of me because you could listen to my podcast on Tuesday. You can watch my YouTube video on Thursday and you can listen to my IGTV video on Instagram on Wednesdays. So I am churning out some free content and you want to access all of that. My YouTube channel is youtube.com slash C slash anxious toddlers 78 and I had hoped to see you over there as well. I make videos for kids directly, but I also put the replays of interviews up on YouTube. And when I do a Facebook Live in my private Facebook group, I will put the replay up on YouTube. So parents do get a sprinkle of things on there as well. Okay, let's get into the nitty gritty about siblings. So a lot of us are experiencing summer already or about to go into it. And I know those that listen in Australia and other places around the world, you're not having summer yet, but I'm sure you're dealing with sibling fighting. So I'm going to, I made a list of do's and don'ts just so I can go through them systematically. And some of these are going to be really obvious. So they will be just a reminder. A lot of the stuff I talk about is not complicated. It's just sometimes you just need someone to like point it out for you and other things maybe you haven't thought of before. So let's get into the don'ts first so we can end on a positive note. Okay, so let's get out the obvious ones. For starters, try not to compare your kids. (laughs) I am guilty of this more than I'd like to admit. Um, It just comes out of my mouth before I can stop. But in a perfect world, try not to compare your kids. They're all different. They're all individual. And they all have their unique talents and their unique struggles. And so when we say stuff like, you know, Well, Jennifer can pick up her toys, but you seem to have a problem. That's not really helpful. And that goes into my don't number two, which is try not to pit one child against the other. And I have, I have found myself saying things and cringing afterwards when I do that, because I'll say, you know, your brother and sister are already in the car and I'm still waiting for you. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. 
don't do that. (laughs) I'll throw myself under the bus. But those are the kind of comments that really wind up hurting our children's relationship with each other. So intellectually, I know that. But I think when we're parenting in the moment, these things are going to fly out of our mouth. So, so be kind with yourself. And when we slip up or when we mess up, it's okay. You're human. I think when we have good intentions and when we're trying to be good parents, we're trying to be good people. That's what really counts. And so this isn't to say, oh my gosh, I'm a horrible person. You're going to say certain things that really aren't going to facilitate warm, fuzzy feelings among your kids, but being aware of it and having some intention to not do it is really just key, right? So yeah, there are a lot of times where I might say stuff like that and it's not helpful because then the kids get mad at each other for being a better cleaner or being faster or not whining as much. So um, those are the obvious ones, but here we're going to get into a couple of them that might be a little bit weird. Try not to make things fair. (laughs) You're like, okay, I'm done listening to her. She's a whack. (laughs) No, listen to me for a second. Uh, A lot of times we go way out of our way to make things fair to the point where it can get a little ridiculous. I mean, I've had parents where their child is in my office um, and they get something from my treasure box and they have a child at home and the parent will ask to get something for the treasure box for the child that's not even in the building, you know, someone who's at home because they want to make it fair or if a child goes to a birthday party and they get a birthday present, wait a minute, if the child is having a birthday party and they're getting presents, sometimes people will say, you know, can you bring a little something for my other child just so they don't feel left out? Now, to some of you, you might be like, oh my gosh, I would never do that. And other people might be like, oh my gosh, I do that. <laughs> Either way, it doesn't matter. It's just, it's just about thinking about the ramifications of that. So when we constantly make things fair, for starters, Life is not equal and life is not fair. And I say that to my kids all the time and not in a harsh way, but in a realistic way, because I want them to know that when they live this um, cocoon of warm, fuzzy feelings of childhood, that the rest of the world, when you grow up, is not like that. You know, they're not like, oh my gosh, you have a Maserati and your neighbor does not. What do we say? Sharing is caring. So give us the keys or, you know, your house has about 500 square feet more than ours that's not fair. Sharing is caring. So give us your house keys. (laughs) That would be a weird world. I mean, maybe that'd be a nice world, but it's not the world we live in. So we don't really want to set our kids up for struggling later because anxious kids or kids with OCD tend to be very black and white thinkers. And so when they can't um, have the things that are around them or somebody didn't work nearly as hard at work as they did, but that person gets a raise and they didn't, it's, that is life. Sometimes it happens that way. So, um, trying to not make things fair. I don't mean like literally go out of your way to make things not fair, but you know, maybe your, your son gets an award at school and your other child doesn't. And you point out, you know what? He did some really hard work and that was what was going on in his class. And that's not what's going on in your class. That can really help. Um, minimize in a weird way, the sibling fighting, you might think it might make it worse. And it will maybe in the beginning, especially if you go way out of your way to make things fair, but down the road, they kind of get desensitized to that. You know, yeah, my sister got that, but you know, I did go out for ice cream with my class, you know, last week. And so we all have our own unique experiences. I just think that's a good way of approaching it down the road. The other thing moving on on my list 
is you don't really want to foster tattletaling. So a lot of times parents will use their kids as their eyes and ears, you know, tell me what he does at the park or tell me what he did at school today. And even if you don't go to that extreme, because you might be like, oh my gosh, I would never do that. But when your child does come up to you and says, you know, Tommy said this about me, or, you know, Tommy touched, Tommy touched the counter. And I know you said that we weren't supposed to go into the kitchen. If it's not about them, it's not about safety and it doesn't involve them then it's something you really don't want to foster them coming to tell you. So in my house, um, if my daughter or my son, my well, daughters or my son come up to me and they're telling on their brother or sister because they are being attacked or something has been happening to them, they're being wronged in some way, I, I foster that. I think that's a good thing because I'll say, Um, And we'll actually get into some of my weird um, approaches on handling sibling conflict. But I want them to come to me if they can't handle it on their own. Uh, So so that is okay. But if they're coming to me and they're telling on their brother or sister about something that has nothing to do with them, if I turn around and I uh, make that child get in trouble because of what their sibling told me, and I am actually guilty of all these things. <laughs> the more I talk about it, I'm like, oh gosh, I did that yesterday. I mean, you don't have to be perfect because I'm telling you what in, a, in an ideal world, uh, what would be very effective, but life is messy. And I definitely do a lot of these don'ts. Um, I don't want to do them and I know that I shouldn't do them, but I do do them sometimes. But you don't want to discipline the other child, ideally. You want to actually talk to the kid that's tattletaling and say, you know, this didn't involve you and it's not a safety issue. And so I don't think this is something that you needed to be telling me on because you should have your brother's back or you should have your sister's back. You really want to foster that kind of sibling. I got your back. You got my back. A good book for tattletaling is a Julia Cook has a tattletaling book. I'm trying to think what it's called. It was called A Bad Case of Tattletongue. Um, I actually just looked it up. And that is a really good book for uh, kids who over over tattletale um, in school or at home. It's a little disturbing if you have a very literal child because um, the child who's tattletaling her tongue or his tongue turns uh, polka dotted, like yellow and purple polka dots. And so that did upset one of my kids who has OCD. So read it first and see if you know that would be upsetting. But my other kid didn't have a problem with it because it's just pure fantasy. Like they're having a dream that they're tattletaling, but the, the meat of the book is really good as far as the do's and don'ts of when should you tell and when should you not tell? I really like that. So that might be a good thing to, um, to check out if you're having an excessive tattletaler, because what happens is everybody plays a role in the family dynamics. And normally you will have kind of your, um, you know, angelic child who does no wrong and polices everybody and is like a junior parent. And then you might have your child that always gets in trouble. Like we all play our roles in the house. And I'm sure you played a role growing up and we get stuck in those roles. And then our parents tend to foster those roles inadvertently. And so you want to think, what role am I, am I um, reinforcing in the sibling dynamic? And How do I not reinforce that anymore so that people don't get stuck in their roles? So just something to think about. All right. My last point on the do not do's list is um, 
I recommend not forcing kids to play together. I think a lot of times people bring their own baggage to their parenting. We all do. Like you're not a blank slate when you become a parent. You are very full up of your own experiences, what you felt as a child, your relationship in your family dynamics as a child, how your parents treated you, and all of that plays into how you parent and how you interact with your own kids, which I think is fascinating because sometimes you swing to the total opposite direction. And uh, that would be a really good podcast episode, actually, just talking about the whole like um, ghosts in your in your parenting, you know, from your past. Okay, I'm going to do that one day. That's a good one. But you might force your kids to play together because, you know, maybe your brother or sister didn't play enough with you, or maybe you grew up as an only child, or maybe you had this vision as a child or as a young adult that your kids were going to be best friends and you, you want that to come to fruition. And so when you see them not playing together, you force them to play together because you're going to make that happen. But the more we force our kids to really do anything, I mean, even when I talk about anxiety or OCD, the more we force them to do things that aren't of their own volition or aren't of their own, um, like they're not being empowered to, to do this themselves, they tend to kick back and they kick back harder. And it's it actually produces the opposite result. So I you can encourage them to play together. You could just say, hey, do you guys want to go play, you know, blah, blah, blah together? Or hey, do you want me to set up a game for you? If they don't naturally play together and if they don't want to, I would leave it at that. Uh, a lot of our family dynamics are going to evolve naturally, even like the relationship that your partner has with your children or the relationship that your children have with your children. And children with children? Can you have a relationship with your children's children? <laughs> you know what I mean. But you you have to kind of relax and take a little bit of a back seat and say, I, I can't force my kids to have a certain relationship that I envision, but I can certainly foster a healthy relationship to some degree. But a lot of it is out of your control. The other thing that I recommend not doing is a lot of times I'll see parents force their child when they're having a play date to involve siblings. Nobody should be left out. Everything should be fair. Um, I'm being sarcastic. (laughs) I think that's a terrible idea because I'm going to be really resentful if I invite my best friend over and now my little brother has to tag along and I have to include him in everything. And then what if he starts playing really well with my friend and my friend likes him better? Or what if he ruins it and he's super annoying and my friend doesn't want to come over anymore? The friend is coming over to play with your child, not your other kids. And so, yes, your other kids might be upset and disappointed and you can do something special for them. But although I wouldn't go overboard because we're not really trying to make everything even and make everything fair, but you can say, I know it's going to kind of be upsetting. You know, he's going to have his friend over and they're going to be playing for a few hours and you're not going to have a friend over because who wants a full house of kids? I don't do double play dates, but whatever. Uh, But you could say, what would you like to do during their play date? Do you want to watch a movie with me? Or do you want to help me cook or do a craft? I mean, it doesn't matter. But you can do something entertaining with them if you feel bad. You don't have to. But I would not force them to play together. I just feel like that's not fair. Okay. And these are all just my suggestions. Obviously, do whatever you want. Um, I think you have to parent from your own heart and not from um, a book or a podcast or a to-do list. But these are just the things that I would recommend not doing to uh, really help foster the sibling relationship. Okay, let's get into what you should do. 
or what I recommend doing. So one thing that I do is when siblings are fighting or my kids, I don't really call them my siblings, the siblings are fighting. Uh, and I, I don't do this enough. I really should do it more. I really like this approach. And when I do take the time to do it, it ends up really beautiful. And sometimes that's the case for a lot of the things that we do. Like they take a little bit more time, but the learning, the life lessons attached to it are so beautiful that it is worth doing. I just wish I had more energy to do it. And I'm sure that you will too. But when your kids are fighting, you say, both of you come here, right? And so sometimes I'll have my kids come. And if it, sometimes it's at such a level that they're not really emotionally available to do this approach, but this is like just the bickering. I hear it revving up and I know it's happening. And then maybe they call for me. Maybe they don't. I say, both of you come here. And then they stand there and I say, okay, nobody talk. It's a little weird. And then I say, okay, we're going to take turns. I'm going to hear her side. Then I'm going to hear your side. Let's be respectful and let each person talk. You will have your time to talk as well. So then I'll look at my daughter and I'll say, go. And then she'll say, well, I was upstairs and I was playing and da, 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 da. And then sometimes my son will want to butt in because he doesn't like her version of events. And I'll say, we're listening to her right now and you will have your full time to explain your side of, of things. And then I'll turn to him and I'll say, okay, it's your turn. And then if she butts in, I'll say, hey, you had your time. We're hearing his version of things. And then I will summarize. And so I'll say, okay, so this is what happened. And I'll, I'll get a much clearer idea of what happened because I'm allowing each one of them to talk and they are learning how to listen and how to one, delay the need for, you know, them to get their point across. So they're hearing someone else's side of things. And two, that I, I don't know what my two was, <laughs> but then I am able to, to summarize the situation. And normally there's, there's no right or wrong. Um, normally there's been, maybe they handled it wrong. They both handled certain aspects of the situation in a way that wasn't really the way that I would want them to handle it. And so I might say something like to my daughter, I might say, um, I know you like playing with that toy. Um, and I know you want to play with that. I, you want to play with it by yourself. But when he came up to you, you didn't have to grab it and push him away. You don't have to like physically push him away. You could have said, I want to play with this right now. I'll let you play with it maybe a little bit later. And then I would say something like to my son, I'd say, you know, she just got this new toy and just going up and trying to grab it. That wasn't very cool. You could have said, hey, that's really neat. Can I play with that? And then she would have told you a little bit later and you would have had to accept that. So what can you guys do right now? And then I let them problem solve, wrap it up, and then they might say, okay, well, can I play with it later? And then she might say, fine, you can play with it a little bit later. And I'll say, what time can he play with it? She, he can play with it at two. And I'm like, okay, now you guys can go. Now it doesn't always happen in that beautiful sort of way. I am just giving you a very succinct, beautiful example. Um, sometimes they may disagree and they may not even see the same. They may not see, they may never see eye to eye or they may not uh, it might be one person completely did everything wrong and the other person didn't. And so it seems imbalanced. But in a, in ideal world, it's just another skill to have in your toolbox to, to call them together and to do it in that way. And then to try to get them to problem solve um, is, is one, it does take a lot of time and it's super annoying. So I don't do it often. But when I do it, um, they're learning. They're learning how to talk and communicate and work through their problems. Okay, another thing I do is... If they're bickering or arguing in front of me, or even if they kind of like mildly hit each other, like, you know, they sometimes they get a little physical. If 
well, I don't want to say if, but you don't want to always have to discipline everything. You know, not everything has to be three strikes, you're out. Um, I talk about three strikes, you're out in other podcast episodes. That's like kind of my go-to parenting approach for non-anxiety OCD related behaviors. But you don't have to do like hardcore discipline um, every time your kids are fighting or arguing. You could, because then they're going to just like tune you out because you're constantly nagging at them. So if I see them bickering or even mildly like pushing each other around, I might say freeze and then I might get them to problem solve. Or sometimes I'll say freeze and then I'll say, let's rewind and try that again. Especially if it's something really simple, like someone grabs something from someone else, I'll say freeze. And then I'll say, let's rewind and try that one again. Um, I don't do this enough. I should do this more. Um, (laughs) This is a podcast for me. This is my own podcast because I think that's really helpful. When I do use that, it wind, it's very effective and they wind up laughing and moving backwards in a jokey sort of way and redoing it. And so it is a nice approach because you kind of want to, you want to have a lot of discipline approaches that are not, not the same. They're not punitive. They're not always like um, controlling. They're not always putting a line in the sand. You just want some uh, natural fun ways to approach kids. So rewinding them can be a really fun thing to do. So another thing you can do is talk to the siblings separately. And so, and I took, I talk about this in other episodes when I'm talking about what to do when um, a sibling has anxiety or OCD, but this is really could be for anything. And so pulling your child aside, you know, going out to eat or going out to get maybe like, you know, some ice cream or hot chocolate. And you just sit there and you say, um, you know, your brother, he has a hard time sometimes self-regulating. Do you know what that word means? I try to use big, big words with my kids so that they can develop a bigger emotional vocabulary. So I'll, I'll talk to them and I'll say, you know, sometimes he can't control himself. He gets really angry and he gets really angry when he loses or he gets really angry when his OCD is triggered. And then I might go into like how he's triggered and what his OCD would, would um, trigger him for. You know, these type of things really upset him. And then I might go into, um, you know, I'll go into the the different things that are happening for each brother or sister so that there's a little bit more empathy so that when they are in the middle of a battle, they'll realize, well, he lost and he does have a really hard time handling losing. Or when I call him this particular name, that really triggers his OCD. And so, um, you know, maybe I should be kind and not use that word. It's not going to work all the time. They might even use it as fuel against your your other child when they're in the middle of fighting. But I think depending on your child's maturity, it is good to touch base with each one of them and let them know, like, this is what your brother or sister is going through. And these are the things that really upset them. And this is, this is why sometimes they have a really big reaction to something that seems pretty minor to you. So don't be afraid to have a one-on-one conversation with each of your kids. That can really help the sibling relationship for them to not take things personally and for them to know where things are coming from. And that's especially true for the kids with anxiety or OCD, where maybe a sibling is contaminated or um, a sibling is triggering the child's anxiety or OCD, and they're not aware that that's happening, and they're getting very big reactions that make them feel uh, disconnected with their brother or sister. So the last point I want to make is uh, don't be afraid to separate your kids (laughs) proactively, especially over the summer. So I do this a lot. I can hear the energy of the house starting to rev up. 
even if I'm in my home office, I can hear the fighting out there and it's starting to rev up. And I know, you know, they've been home all day. We haven't aired them out. They're starting to get antsy and whatever happens is not going to be good if it continues in this direction. And so instead of saying all that, because sometimes kids, one, they don't want to hear all that and they can get kind of oppositional with you because they're already kind of in that feisty mode. But I'll say, I want you guys to go do your own thing. And so I'll say, pick a zone. I talk about zones a lot. Uh, I talk about zones in my behavior class. And I'll say, go pick a zone. Each of you get into a zone. I, I want the zones to be far away. So at my house, we have five zones. So we have a beanbag. We have a pod chair. We have my bedroom. Um, let me see. Beanbag, pod chair, my bedroom, my office, and upstairs. Actually, we have six zones. Upstairs in the loft and out in the backyard. But I live in Phoenix, and it's starting to get really hot. So that will not be a viable option very, very soon when it's like 120 out. But those are my zones. And so I will separate them. And sometimes I will I will jumpstart them in an activity. And I did talk about this in an episode recently when I talk about how to help your kids handle downtime. Sometimes we have to jumpstart them in an activity. So I might, like with my seven-year-old, I might say, let me set up all the Play-Doh for you over here on the on the table in the dining room. And then I might tell my son, why don't you go read a book in my office? And they might push back and say, I don't want to read. And I'll say, well, what else can you do? But I make sure they're separated, like where they're out of like earshot of each other or like visual shot of each other. I know that doesn't exist, but they can't see each other. And that tends to reset them and then they get bored and they want to play again. And so in my house that works because my kids have a love-hate relationship. And so the minute they're not playing together, they want to play together. But not every brother and sister are like that. So... But don't be afraid to separate. I think that proactively separate. There have been times where I've worked with families and they fight to such a degree that it is good to just permanently keep them separated for a period of time. And I'm not just talking about like a few hours. I mean, a few months, like the kids cannot be together because one, maybe it's a safety issue or two, it's just every time they get together, it gets so volatile that the whole house turns into chaos And don't be afraid to, you know, if you have something that extreme going on, it's okay to separate the the siblings out. And then maybe like one hour a day, or even like 10 minutes a day, maybe you do a joint activity that you supervise so that you can start to facilitate a better relationship without it going south every single time they hang out. So yeah, sibling stuff can be tough. We have to also realize though, that it is about their relationship, not our relationship. And there's only so much that we can control, but we can make sibling relationships much, much worse, or we can make them much better. Um, I know when my mom was growing up, you know, her parent, according to my mom, at least would pit them against each other all the time and would favor one over the other and would talk about the other one to the other one. And they, they grew up really not liking each other. And I think a lot of it had to do with the parent, like how the grandparent well, it's my grandparent, but how they were they were um, being trained to interact with each other. So that should be another don't actually. Don't talk about your kids to the other kid. My mom actually did that a lot with me growing up. It, she would talk to each one of her children about the other kids in a bad way. She would vent and she would vent to her ch- children. So she would say bad things t- to me about all my about to my about my sisters and my brother. 
And she would probably would do the same thing to them. And it wasn't until we were older and we compared notes that we realized that she did do that with all of us. But in the, at the time, it made us feel special. Like, oh, she's um, her confidant. She's telling me all this stuff about how frustrated she is about my sister or my brother. I don't like that. I don't think that's a good thing. Um, my kids started to do that once. We were in the car and they started talking about the child that wasn't in the car and started to talk about that child in a negative way. And I shut it down and I said, you wouldn't like it if we were talking about you that way, right? What if we were all in the car, but you weren't in the car and we all started talking about you? I wouldn't allow that to happen. So I'm not going to allow us to talk about that child either because we are a team, we are a family, and we don't talk bad about each other, even when one of us is not here. So you really set the tone of how to keep it positive and not allow that bad talk to happen amongst the family members. So I hope you found that helpful. I hope you're going to have a fantastic summer. So if you're enjoying the podcast, please don't forget to hit a star on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcast. Those ratings help the show get it out to more people. And I really appreciate it. If you have a few extra seconds and you can write a review on the things that you appreciate about the show, that would be awesome. And to show my gratitude, I always like ending my show reading one of them. So I want to say thank you to uh, Jadhopo78. I never know how to pronounce these uh, usernames, but they wrote, amazing and life-changing. I only found this podcast about a week ago, and since then I have listened nonstop, and I'm so thankful that I found this podcast and grateful for Natasha Daniels for creating such a wonderful resource for parents and kids. My six-year-old son has anxiety and OCD, and the therapy services are not covered by insurance so are very costly. I was losing hope that I would find the help we needed, and then I found Natasha. We are also utilizing the resources on Facebook, YouTube, and the website now, and I plan to take the online class as well. And I also want to say that today my son walked to his classroom alone for the first time this year. I have been walking him every day since August, and that is because we started using the challenge system we started this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm excited to hear that. How awesome. What an amazing win. Thank you for listening to the podcast and all my resources. And I'm so happy to support you. Next week, I am going to be talking about how um, people have been asking me to do a podcast just on incentives for challenges. So we are going to talk all about uh, the challenge system and um, incentive ideas. Well, it's primarily about incentive ideas. I go into the challenge idea in um, all of my online classes, and I'm sure there's podcasts on it as well. But I want to thank you for leaving that really nice review. Um, that's why I do it because I know the resources are are one hard to tap into because of all the barriers financially, and sometimes even just there are no providers that understand anxiety or OCD. And so I try to help fill the gap. And sometimes I am the only thing in the gap. There's no other resources available for parents. So. Um, I appreciate your kind words. So if you have something to write, maybe I'll be reading your review next time. And don't forget to find the sparkle in everything you do. Take care. Hi, I'm a mom of a daughter with OCD. I live in South Africa. Um, And it's a country that doesn't have a lot of resources for children's mental health and specifically OCD. really was at my wit's end on how I'm going to support my child, how I'm going to do ERP, how I'm just basically going to, to parent 
a daughter with OCD in a country that has little to no resources. And at times it got just debilitating for us as a family. And I was super lonely, um, people weren't listening, I didn't have any support. The AT community has been an absolute lifesaver. Natasha has been instrumental in the past few months in helping us set up ERP challenges, going through them step by step, being supportive each and every step of the way. Joining the AT parenting community has been one of the best things I could have done for me and my family. Uh, Natasha has built this community and it is exceptional. I've learned so much, the support is fantastic. It's, it's just been life-changing for my daughter. Um, it's so nice to be able to ask her live questions in office hours. She's there, she responds. Uh, her live videos every week where she asks us what we need her to talk about. Uh, also her forums, again, where you can ask questions. She's on there all the time. She is very present. The resources she's had provided, the worksheets. Uh, there are so many things in this AT parenting community that are beneficial. Natasha gives you so much of her time and her expertise. She's there to answer your questions, so it's such a personal way of getting help and support when it's much needed. Personally, the community has helped me because I feel like I needed my support. And then you have the added bonus of this fantastic community of parents who are going through such similar things and suddenly you're empowered and have ways of accessing help and making a real difference to your family. And also just the support of all the other moms and dads, it's really good, you know? We laugh together, we cry together, we fail together, we succeed together, um, and, and everybody gets it. Everybody gets it, and it's such a nice community to be with, and I hope you join us. You won't be disappointed. Try it out. To learn more about how you can become a member of the AT Parenting Community, go to atparentingcommunity.com.